let me just tie all this, this up um, as best I can um, in five, seven minutes. Michael's aware that I can't do that when, uh, when he's coming on after me. Um, uh, why do we do this, Fitzroy? Why do we do this? Um, why do we go to Onialaku? Why have we invested the money we've invested? Way back when I was taking uh, the Ryan Keys and various other students to South Africa, I remember somebody saying to me at one stage, if you had your ideal job, what would your ideal job be? And Ken was here, so obviously. Um, so I said that my ideal job would be to go around congregations and get them a partnership with somewhere in the world that they would have an ongoing partnership in a developing country. And that um, with the experience we had from doing the Cape Township teams to, uh, to Cape Town out of chaplaincy, that they would connect with somewhere else in the world, that we would look at how that would impact the other place in the world. We would look at how that would impact the church that was going. We would work out how to take teams, what teams would do, how we would pray when we come back, how we would, all of that stuff. That would be, that was what I was saying at the time would be my, my dream job. And so I came here with that idea in my head. But it was sitting down there one night when Alan Emerson was standing up here that we were doing the buildings and we'd got a figure for the buildings and Alan talked about building a school for exactly a tenth of what we were about to spend on our buildings that the eureka moment came for me that this is it. This is our chance to tithe the buildings and get this partnership going where we would start to um, pray for. This morning we're praying for Pastor David. He's always praying for us where we're engaged with a community of people, where we know those people and where we would go and do something. And of course, I came up with that in my head long before I got a call to Fitzroy. And yet, when I came here, it wasn't the first thing in my agenda to do. It kind of happened as we went. But if that's my idea, then how do I communicate that with a congregation? Or how do you engage with a congregation to get all of us involved in this particular project. And I think that's been, for me, the success of the Onialakni project is 44 people in this building sponsor a child in that school. I go every year and say, here's another gift that we're giving you. So we built a school. I explained that we're not Americans, we don't print money, and so therefore we wouldn't be covered with money every year. And somebody donated them a well. You're getting a well, but don't think that we can. And then people cycled to the edge of the earth and built them a fence. Now, don't think because you've got a fence that we can do. And now we're putting up a girls' washroom because of what Elma was saying about trying to make sure that girls continue to go to school. The next thing that you guys have funded is a girls' washroom. So thank you for all the financial stuff that this congregation has given to that school. The impact of it, you need to be there to just see the impact or feel the impact of it, and you know what I'm, where I'm going with this. I want you all someday to be there to see that. But thank you for that. Textbooks, to go into some of the classrooms and see the textbooks that George got us to buy at Christmas time. All these different ways that you've been engaged with this project. Then the people who sewed uh, to raise money or uh, give needles, I mean knitting needles, you've got to be really careful when you're telling customs that you're bringing all kinds of needles into a country. Um, and the wool and all the different gifts that we give out, all the different ways that this congregation right across the pews this morning were involved in. 
is really, I actually was saying to Janice this morning as we were coming down, I wonder, and I may be wrong in this, and I'd be happy to be wrong in this, but maybe this is the one project we do in Fitzroy that has most buy-in across the congregation. Maybe it's the one that most of us have at some stage, either financially or gift-wise or going or whatever else, have been involved in. And the gifts that you give us near the end, which are amazing. The last week before we go, um, the people who give us financial gifts, that goes into our pot and we're able to do some things when we're there, yes, on a quick response. But most of that will come back and over the next two or three months, we'll get together with Fields of Life. We'll work out what money we have in our kitty and then we'll say to Pastor David and Fields of Life, well, what's next? What, what would be the next thing that we could spend money on. And that might be teachers. It might be a different way to go the next time. But that money is still in the bank and we thank you for that. So it is a mission. It's us saying here is a place in the world that's at the moment our place. And of course in Fitzroy we're involved in India and we're involved in South Africa and we have Carl in London. And so we're seeing different parts of the world that we're engaged with at different times. Um, and this is one of those. We can't be involved. We were in Argentina at one stage. We were in Jordan at one stage. We've pretty much covered the globe even in my eight years um, from being here. But this is a chance for us to have an ongoing relationship with the same people. So you go back the next year and you see your sponsor child a little bit more growing up or you see some of the other kids getting a P7 or you see the teachers developing in their gifting. Charles, who was the head last year, who's doing some training to become the head again. You could see a huge change in, in Charles' ability to, to, to help um, uh, manage that school in the future because you're going back and, and contributing to that. And so it's a mission. It's saying, what are the needs? We went for education. We interviewed some different groups. We went for fields of life because because we believe that this is part of the kingdom coming on earth uh, uh, as it is in heaven. Then, so there's an impact on Oniolaki, the fence, the well. The well, I looked at that well every day and I watched people filling their jerry cans with water and I watched the children drinking the water from it and I'm going, just because I went to a meeting that I wasn't even sure that I was going to and because then session and committee and so many of you have got around this whole project, people have this uh, amazing ability to have water right where they are in the school. So there's an impact on Oniolaki. I hope there is. I hope the preaching impact's there. I hope the radio broadcast and the church services we do and we did a youth service on the Saturday afternoon that I think we've, we've even forgot about because there were so many other things um, that we were involved in. All of that stuff's great in Onilaku. But the thing for me about all the trips I've ever done is that the impact is almost greater on those of us who go. It's almost greater on those of us who go. I'm one, I'm not a business, I don't like bringing business into church, but I do have a phrase that's actually a business phrase, so who am I to be a hypocrite? The return on investment. If we're going to do that, what's the return on the investment? If we're going to apply that amount of time into something, are we getting something back? If we're going to apply that amount of money into something, are we going to get something back? And I don't mean selfishly get something back. I mean genuinely, what would it be for us to get involved in this project that might change what we think about the world? What we might think about God somewhere else in the world? What we might think about mission? What we might think about mission in Onilaku? But what we might think about mission here? How can we discover our vocational gifts in another setting? How can we discover things about our own discipleship in another setting that we would never find from here? And I would have to say that in my 15 years as a chaplain, the two weeks that I had students in Cape Town got far more return on that investment of two weeks than the year and a half in between when we didn't take them. 
You can preach away every week. You can do your small groups every week. You can do all kinds of things. But if I look at the things that impacted people, it was those moments somewhere else, almost part retreat, part mission, part discipleship, part service, that changes the lives of those who go. And I believe that the lives of the team you've just seen today, all of them have been changed. And I would want to endorse everything that some of them, this team was amazing. The ability and the gifts that the young people we have when they're put in another situation can do is quite remarkable. And I know that young people, and I'm, I couldn't be a youth worker anymore because, you know, you have them in a room for five minutes and you're trying to tell them something and they're all chitter-chattering away. They don't hear a thing you're saying. I don't know how Paul does it. I used to do it way back, but not anymore. But let me tell you something. You see when you have them in a situation in Onealaku, the response to doing anything, packing 330 little bags with haribos and balloons, that's a tedious task. Did any of them not do it joyfully? All of them did it joyfully. Because sometimes you get yourself into situations where you learn about yourself more than you might even learn about home. Why do we go? Because I believe we're called to go somewhere. We can't go everywhere. And so this, for the next period of time, is our thing. We go because we want to develop that school. Yeah, we've got a building. Yeah, we've got a fence. Yeah, we've got a well. Yes, hopefully in the next few months we will have, uh, as well as the toilet blocks they have, we'll have a girls' washroom. Yes, there might be something else that we decide to do in that kind of material way in the next while. But this is us trying to get the teaching that happens in the school and the discipleship that happens in the school that we want to be involved in a place that sees children growing up to have a 10-10 life in a place that probably some of them are lucky to have a 1-10 life if we want to count it in that way. So I want to finish with this. Um, we were sitting, I think it might have been the soup making day, and Peter and I um, somehow got talking to somebody about the avocado tree. Uh, it might have been Pastor David. Um, but he was telling us about the tree, so we were looking up at the tree. And he said, and you can see those avocados, the avocados are something. And they just drop off the tree. They're not that exorbitant amounts of money we pay for avocados. Um, and there they all are, and they're ready to fall. And you're sitting, you're sort of a wee bit chuffed that there's an avocado tree, and I'm an African looking at it. And then David said, and if you look over to the other side, there's the, the kind of the flowering of the next harvest of avocados. And I'm going, what are you telling me? Are you telling me there's a harvest here? And there's a getting ready for harvest here on the same tree. I'm excited about that. I'm thinking, that doesn't happen with our apples or chestnuts or whatever it is we have. So we're sitting under a tree that's got two harvests happening at once. One, the avocados are already there. The other, there's just a hope for something that might happen in the future. And I started thinking about mission in general. I started thinking about the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. I start thinking that there's those moments when we see the harvest here and then there's the hope of the harvest that is to come. Whoever that is, whether that's Christine thinking about what she does in Safara, uh, Christine could tell you about the harvest that has been, the things that she has done and invested in where it's happened. But I think if you listen to Christine enough, she would get beyond that into the flowering of the next dream or the next development of that project. And that's the same, no doubt, in South Africa. It's the same probably in London with Carl. 
and it's definitely the same in Onelaku. The school's there, it's the, it's the avocado already on the tree, but the teaching could be of a better quality. The children are there and they're coming to school, but could Mercy get to high school? They've done the I am girl, can they keep that going? When we're teaching them about Joseph, can they apply that to their lives? The two harvests in the one tree. The stuff that this congregation have already done, and I want to thank you for all of it. And then what's next? And what's next will be, no doubt, in Janice's mind as she's already talking to uh, travel agents about the flight dates for next year and the prices, etc., etc. And it will be in our mind as we think, well, when we went back, what would we do? But it might be in your mind because you might be saying, if the Greers and the Fitches can do it, we're big and tough and maybe we could do it too. Is it a time to get involved at that end of it? as well as all the involvement you've been at this end of it. Because this project's not finished yet. There may be a time coming down a few years when we say that's our only elective project done and we have it sustainable and we can keep the relationship but leave the hands on. But at the minute, there's a harvest, two harvests in the one tree. There's the things, Fitzroy, that we've already done there. And there's the things we're still praying about, envisioning about, dreaming about what God might do through us to Onelaku, and then through Onelaku, back to us in this partnership of sharing our wealth and our poverty mutually together. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for everyone in Fitzroy who has given to this project, and maybe as they're sitting at the moment, don't understand that they have, but they have. For that original tithe, which is actually raising 10% more than the money that it needed to pay off the building. To all the different gifts that have happened. To a building, to a well, to a fence, to textbooks, to the gifts this summer. To sponsor children. To giving knitting needles and wool. And all the different things that people have given to this project. Prayed for us while we were away. Lord, we thank you for that partnership and we pray that you would lead us as we ask questions about what's next. I pray you would lead us as a congregation in that, but I pray particularly you might lead us as individuals in that. What could we contribute? Have we handbags to give? Have we ties to give? Are we clearing out houses that we might find some stuff that would be useful somewhere else? Or do we need to go? Do we need to just go? To find out about what the project is, but more importantly, find out about who we are. Who we are as your children, who we are as your disciples, who we are as your servants, and what it's like to serve God in another place where to serve ourselves, we serve others as we were thinking about last week. Lord, may your spirit continue to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name. Amen.